When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. In the state of Wisconsin, men and women in minimum to maximum security prisons have the opportunity to work, learning new skills and earning a wage through the Bureau of Correctional Enterprises. A workday average of 400 inmates work across four major program areas, including agriculture. Wes Ray is the director of the Bureau of Correctional Enterprises. He shares more about those agricultural programs. So we have Wapon Farm, Fox Lake Farm, and Oregon Farm. And the town names pretty much tell you where they are located at. So... Uh, Oregon Farm and Wapon Farm are our milking farms. We have milking uh, a milking parlor at Wapon Farm, and then a, a, a stanchion barn milking at Oregon Farm, and then Fox Lake Farm. That's where we have our 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 heifers and our dry cows. And it's kind of interesting because you grow the crops you need for feed, and you produce the milk you need at the dairy processing plant. That's right. So like any farm or agriculture operation, if you're not growing your own feed, you have to buy it, and that's not economically feasible. So an important thing for me to, to share with, with others, with your audience, your customers, are that the Bureau of Correctional Enterprises is self-supporting. For the whole Bureau, we use a total of $50,000 of taxpayer funding, and that's only for our durable medical equipment or DME refurbishing industry. Everything else is funded by sales revenue. I am paid with sales revenue. All the workers are paid with sales revenue. Equipment is bought, repaired, and replaced with sales revenue. So I think it's a pretty unique part of Wisconsin state government. Oh, yeah. How do you get sales revenue, though? Like, who's buying the products? Um, Is there a website? So the Bureau of Correctional Enterprises is statutorily allowed to sell to federal, state, and local government entities and to nonprofit organizations. And there are some closer restrictions within that, but those are our eligible customers. Now, our, da- our dairy pro- program, our dairy industry customers, as you've heard before, are Wisconsin Department of Corrections facilities, Wisconsin mental health institutions, and for the third year now, we have won the contract with the Minnesota Department of Corrections to sell our products to them as well. Yeah, And beyond, I guess, the... I want to talk about the impact it has on the workers, though, because it sounds, you know, great that you're doing this, but what's the point of it? You know, how is it impacting inmates? So, like I often say, BCE makes a great many products. We make furniture, clothing, mattresses, pillows. Most of the signs you see on Wisconsin highways are designed and built by workers on our teams. Clearly, we make a whole range of dairy products. But we have one primary product, and that is opportunity. And that comes in the form of opportunities to work, opportunities to learn, and opportunities to earn. Nothing could be farther from the truth when people mistakenly think that an inmate doesn't have a choice but to come to work. The Bureau of Correctional Enterprises, we advertise when we have job opportunities available, and the person in our care or the inmate decides whether to apply. They decide whether to come for the job interview if they get an offer for an interview. If they get a job offer, they decide whether to accept that job offer. And each day, they decide whether to come to work, and they can quit when they want to, all without a negative impact. So we work as closely as we can within a correctional environment to mirror the private sector workforce. Whether you're in our industry team making wood furniture, 
or here at one of our farms or dairies or making signs or clothing it's it's the the workers choice to to join the team and to stay on the team and i think that's an important part of who we are and what we do because we are focused with the workers on our team we are focused on their successful futures so what does this do for the gentlemen on our team the men and women on our team I like to talk about it as uh, as a human being, a human experience. So if I get an opportunity to apply for the job, I'm looking forward to that opportunity. If my application materials get reviewed and I get invited for an interview, I feel good about that. I qualified for an interview. If I go through the interview and they offer me the job, I feel great about that because they're realizing the value that I have as a person and the knowledge and skills and my working ability. And then I come to work and, and every day I, keep to get, I get to keep my job and I succeed and I see the results of my work. I feel great about that. It's, it's true for me as an employee just like it's true for each of the men and women on our teams as a worker. I'm a human. They're a human. The same way that I feel about myself, my skills, my abilities, earning a job, keeping a job, they have the same kinds of feeling. There are more similarities between myself and them than there are differences. There are important differences. I get to go home every day and they stay in a correctional facility. But as far as the important parts go, the human parts, those are similar. So that's the kind of thing I think it does for them. They're proud of who they are. They're proud of their ability to learn. They're proud of the quality work they do. And they come to work every day to continue to prove to themselves and others that they are good people and they are good workers. And they are able to earn money, as you said, the, the ability to earn. Um, that also helps them for when they are finished here. Right. So we don't pay a great deal of money. And I'm, I'm happy to talk with people about that because that sometimes is a tense or contentious issue about how much we pay the workers. So the important part of that is that they do get paid when they come to work for every hour they're working. And now when we give the payroll to the facility where they live, that facility's business office staff, they automatically use some of that payroll to pay their court-ordered financial obligations, perhaps restitution to victims of their crimes. Or if they owe child support, court-ordered child support, then an automatic payment would go to child support. And so the obligations that those workers have reduce. So when they get out and go home, if they haven't paid it all off, they owe less than they would have owed if they hadn't worked for us and got those things paid off. And also a portion of their payroll automatically goes into their release savings account. And that's an important part because you and I and the folks listening to your radio program, we don't have to be a released inmate to realize. So if I've been in correctional facilities for some number of years and I get out, if I don't have a savings account, I might be more inclined to think, holy cow, I'm responsible for whether I eat. And now I'm responsible for partly my family's financial security too. If I don't have a savings account, I might be more inclined to think I'm going to do whatever I have to do to provide for myself and my family. But if I come out, I've worked for BCE. On average, a BCE worker has about $3,000 more in his savings release account than a non-worker does. If I come out with a $3,000 savings account that my probation and parole agent helps me, I get a little bit of it at a time instead, all, instead of all at once, then instead of thinking, I'll do whatever I have to do to eat, now I have a little more mental and emotional room. Okay, 
I'm going to do what I know I ought to do to make a way for myself instead of anything I have to do. And that, that, that mental and emotional security and certainty helps them just like it would help you and I helps them make smarter decisions. And that contributes to the 71% success rate that BC workers have in the community. 71% of them don't come back to the Department of Corrections custody. Now granted, that's not 100%, and everyone wants them to be 100% successful. And believe me when I say no one wants that more than the men and women on our teams themselves. But I encourage people to think, some of us used to play baseball or softball. Now for some of us who were older, that was farther back than for others. But which of the people who you knew who played those sports batted a 7-10 batting average? Probably none of them. Now, I'm not trying to say that playing baseball and staying crime-free are exactly the same thing. But think about the wide variety of factors that contribute to a batting average. And some of those things are in the batter's control and some of them aren't. Now, think about a BC worker who goes back home and the wide variety of factors and challenges that he or she faces to succeeding and staying home. Some of them in his control and some of them not. So I hope that people can appreciate that a 710 batting average, a 771% success rate in not coming back to corrections, while not batting a thousand, it's a pretty good batting average. And we're proud of them for accomplishing that. Yeah. And I'm glad to say that in the last two years, that success rate has increased from 69% to 71%. So the men and women on our teams, they're working hard and succeeding in the community. And we're going to switch topics here dramatically <laughs> to security. I want to know how you monitor um, workers on a farm. They're not you know fenced in they're you know they're I don't know how they're monitored they're allowed to be driving equipment and I mean how does that work sure all of our farm staff are security staff so BC farm employees they're either correctional sergeants or a correctional lieutenant or a correctional captain so all of them have completed the correctional officer pre-service academy they all know about correctional security practices and habits and requirements so we do have security staff at the farms monitoring the workers on our teams so that's an important part now the the john burke correctional center is the facility the host facility for the for the Wapan farm and Wapan dairy teams and so of course correctional centers staff they know exactly which workers come out and when they go out they ride in in a correctional center van to the farm to work and they're unloaded and counted and named so a John Burke Correctional Center uh, sergeant and, and inmate worker, inmate driver, they, they know who leaves and they know who arrives and then they work under the supervision of correctional sergeants who work for BC all day long. What do neighbors think of this though? Like the village or yeah, the city of Wapan or the people close by or even like the McDonald's down the street. What is it, I mean, do issues ever pop up or concerns about having a farm a correctional farm right there well each person can have his or her own thoughts about that but it but it's important to know that uh, like you talked about with our uh, Wapon Dairy supervisor Mr. Feets he's worked here more than 20 years and we have never had a walk away of a worker from this dairy plant and I I've been here five years and I can't tell you how many more than that five years we've never had a walk away from one of our farms either so it's not that it can't happen it's just that it hasn't happened for decades and decades. And I think that people in the Wapan community, 
they would certainly know about that if we had any walkaways, right? If they walked away into the community, people would be concerned about that. And um, people might not memorize the good stories, but they certainly memorize the, the bad stories. And so when you haven't had one for decades, I think people recognize that. And that helps them think about how this is a positive operation, positive for the community, and certainly positive for the men and women who get these good opportunities and return home to their communities and families and don't come back to corrections. What about uh, when they're operating machinery on, on roadways? I mean, one, does that even happen, like during harvest or anything like that? And two, how is it? how do people take it? So a worker never operates a piece of equipment that requires a driver's license. So they, they will operate a, a skid steer on, on the farm. They might operate a tractor in a field, right? So... Uh, an employee will drive the tractor to the field and then a worker will operate the tractor in the field. Now, could that worker drive the tractor out of the field and onto a road and, and try to go somewhere else? Yeah, at 13 to 20 miles per hour, he could try to accomplish that. But they haven't done it for decades and decades. So they never operate a vehicle or equipment that requires a driver's license. And then obviously while they're doing this work, they're gaining valuable work experience for when they're finished uh, with their time here. Are they hireable? Are they placeable? And how does that happen? Right. So I'm, I'm proud to say that 88% of former BC workers are employed when they get back home. And you hear me talk about things from a success rate, right? So when I talk about 71% succeed in not coming back to corrections, I don't talk about recidivism rate. I never talk about anything from a losing rate because we are focused with them on their successful futures. So we think about success, talk about success, and work towards success. So 71% success not coming back and 88% success in employment. So long-term incarcerated persons only have a 12% unemployment rate or an 88% employment rate. Clearly, they are, they are employable people. And so we, we help them better prepare themselves to succeed while they're in a correctional facility and when they return to their families and communities. And our transition program within BC specifically helps workers on our teams prepare for their return to the community and continues to provide transition services six months after they've returned home. Now, transition services can include a number of things. So during the last year or last several months of their confinement period or a period of incarceration, we'll provide them with information about this is what the modern job search process looks like. And it's important to remember, well, why do they need to know how to search for a job? A number of the workers on our teams have been incarcerated for a good number of years. Many of them have never owned or used a cell phone. And so think about, they haven't owned and used personal computers. So think about the way regular life and employment life has changed while they've been incarcerated. So we help them better prepare. This is how the job search goes. This is what it looks like. These are examples of job interview questions you might, you might receive. And these are honest and forthright, but well thought out, thoughtful ways to answer those questions. Here, we know where you're going to be when you go home. We know what your approved release address is. So when you get home, if you need some, uh, if you need some social service agencies like a food pantry, food bank, or housing services, or other kinds of things, these are some names and contact information for agencies who are close to your home who can help you with those things. And then 
when it's about one or two weeks before the worker's release date, we know where he's going home and we know about the kinds of work he did before he came in and the and the kinds of work he did with us so one of the transitional employees just looks online for open active job opportunities that are close to his home and and that the job duties and responsibilities match the kinds of things he succeeded in here and she'll print those job opportunities those advertisements out and mail them to the correctional facility so that worker will walk out of the fence walk out the gate with a handful of job opportunities in his hand that he knows these are close to where I'm going to go live and somebody thinks that I'm probably going to be able to really win these jobs and so a that's great because he's not used to looking for jobs he might not have internet access so he walks out with jobs ready to apply for and then let's think about how that feels somebody took the time and found jobs and they printed them out for me somebody thinks that I'm probably a good applicant for these jobs that just feels good that's a confidence builder and confidence builders are important for any person whether they're a released inmate going back home or you and I in our daily lives and Wes you thank corrections staff for helping these inmates succeed in their communities we succeed because we have great people to join our teams as workers and why do we have such people, such great people, people who are so ready to succeed on our teams? It's because of the careful work done by staff in our correctional facilities who host those, who host our teams. So it's not as if BC just works great on its own and we are, we are the only reason these men and women succeed. Before someone can even apply for a BC job, they have to earn a high school diploma or equivalency degree. How do they do that? because of the great teachers in correctional facilities. Before they can even apply for a BC job, they have to be 12 months without a major institution rule violation. Now, why is that? At least a couple reasons, right? They had great programming, you know, cognitive behavioral programming offered by social workers and treatment specialists that helps them think differently about reacting to their interactions and behavior of others. Also, the correctional officers and sergeants who, who work with them and, and manage their housing units, they help them, they talk with them, they help them better respond to behavior and interactions with others right on the housing unit. The men and women on our teams prepare to be great, great workers on our teams, largely because the work they do for themselves and the work they, they do with other correctional staff that helps them be better ready to be a great worker. Yeah. Are you seeing any staffing challenges right now? Yes. So BC, we, we have what, nine, I think I said 19 teams working across. We have a struggle hiring skilled tradespeople. So we make wood furniture, we make metal furniture, we make upholstery trying to hire employees with knowledge, skills, and experience in those trades is a challenge for us. So we, we work to uh, advertise our job opportunities as well as we can and, and to highlight the positive work-life balance and to help people understand how great these jobs are because of the positive impact they, they help workers make on their lives and then the general way that Wisconsin is safer and better because of the work we do. We, we don't pay great money, but we do offer the work-life balance and the, the non-monetary benefits of working here. And we hope that people with skills, experience, and abilities 
will apply for our jobs. But yes, it's a challenge to hire those skilled people. As any other employer right now. That's Wes Ray, the director of the Bureau of Correctional Enterprises, which is part of the Department of Corrections. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff.